the festival of trumpets, which God called his people to keep annually. He told them to take a Sabbath, that is to take a day off and set this day apart as holy. And then on that day, he commanded them to blow trumpets. Now, when we think of trumpets, most famously, perhaps you would be thinking about Revelation and how the great and terrible day of the Lord, there will be a blowing of trumpets that occurred and we will have the Messiah of Israel appear the second coming. You may also think of trumpets happening when Mount on Mount Sinai, when the Torah, the, the word was given. God gave his teaching, his commandments. He came down on the mountain and the people were trembling, screaming, afraid. And they said, oh, it, it would be better for this to just stop right now. It would be better for Moses to just go because Moses, you go because we're too afraid. Just make it stop. Perhaps you would remember Jericho, how when Israel encircled them on the final time, we see that there was a blowing of trumpets and at the blowing of trumpets, the people shouted. And as they shouted, we see the walls fall down. We see the trumpets is a battle cry. Not only that, it's about mobilizing forces in a war. It's about calling Israel together. It was about or, or dispatching Israel again. That's what trumpets represents. And funnily enough, when we think about all the things that trumpets represents, we then get to this scripture talking about the ancient path in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the prophet prophesied and he said, thus is the Lord stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I said, watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. You may have heard of this scripture before speaking of this ancient pathway. And as I'm reading it, you may say amen. But what I want you to see and understand is that with Jeremiah's proclamation of look for the ancient pathway, he then also says, look for the sound of the trumpet. In other words, he's saying, God blows trumpets. God uses trumpets to try and communicate through the prophets or through whichever means to his people to pay attention. Look up and see where the Lord is taking you. See what the Lord is saying in this season, this year. And perhaps that's why he told us to keep this feast every year. Perhaps he wants to speak to his body through his feast days to tell them, look, pay attention where I want you to go, what I want you to do like an army. You need to understand where I am commanding you to go. Oftentimes trumpets will be used in, in the Torah and the scriptures. We see how it's used to call Israel together. And then wh why would you call the nation together? What is the purpose? It's so that you can go up there and give instruction. It's so that you can speak. It's so that you can communicate. That's why we call people together. And this is the same we, what God does with trumpets is he saying, I want to call you together today and I want to speak to you about an ancient pathway. You may sit back and say, oh, I know all about this ancient pathway that God talks about through his prophets, Jeremiah. But I want us to talk about that ancient pathway. What is it really and what is it supposed to look like for us today? But not even just today, but in terms of 2020, where is God calling us? You see, Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, when he came, he walked in that ancient pathway. 
He walked in obedience to what was laid already, that foundation of the Torah and pro- that the Torah and prophets laid already. He came and he said in Matthew 5, I did not come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. He's saying, I came to walk it out so you can see how I walk, so you can imitate me. And so now we see him walking out. He walks in obedience to his father. But he didn't just walk out the ancient pathway. He didn't just do exactly what was done before. He built upon it. Matthew 5, 17 says, I didn't come to abolish, but I came to complete. That means I'm coming to give more meaning. I'm coming to fulfill. Right. And so we see now that Yeshua comes and when Jesus dies for us and we see this new covenant brought in, we understand now that there's this fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. Because Jeremiah prophesied in chapter 31 that I will come about how God will come and make a new covenant. I will do what? Write my law on your heart is what he said. So this new covenant is that of the law now, not just on stone, but now written on the hearts of men. It's a beautiful thing. But also then another big part and big difference is the sending of the Holy Spirit. And even Moses talked about this Holy Spirit of God. And he said this in Numbers 11, verse 29. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. When they are coming to Moses and talking about these 70, 72 elders coming to prophesy and they say, Moses, look at what is happening. And Moses said, don't be jealous for my sake. Oh, I wish that this would happen to all of God's people. that They would prophesy and be filled with the spirit and manifest these spiritual gifts. Oh, God, do it in all of them. But Moses didn't see it in his life happening to all of God's people. And you see now we see today people saying, oh, I just want to I want to just have the ancient pathway. And it's good. But some people would say, I just want to be back to where Moses was. I just want to be like that. I just want to. But Moses wished that things were like they are today. In terms of the Holy Spirit, I was poured out because, see, that did not happen until the Messiah came. It could not happen, in fact, because this and this is what he said. This is what he meant when he said, listen to me, disciples. It is good that I go for the purpose that my Holy Spirit will descend just as I ascend. And he will come and he will empower you. He will come and give you. You will then have authority over unclean spirits. You will be able to minister this freedom to others and they will be able to get receive the Holy Spirit in power and walk in power like never before, like the way that Moses envisioned it and wished for it. And I want to tell you, I bet you that when Messiah died, if we could give a snapshot of the enemy and his camp and what was going on there, oh, chaos was occurring because they were afraid. Satan just realized what had happened when he died. He realized that he died for the sins of the world and those who put their faith in him could get deliverance. He was there was terror. They were terrified because of this reality. But let me tell you, they were even possibly just as terrified of something else. And that is that, oh, no. He could die for the sins of the world. But not only that, now the world, if they believe in him, if they get filled with the Holy Spirit, as this door has now been made available to them, just like Moses wished for back then. Now this has happened. Now they will have authority over us. Now they can cause out the demons. Now they can stop us in our tracks. Now our plans will not flourish. In fact, they will be cut off. The snake's head will be cut off. Oh, no. As long as men pick up their authority, that's what will happen. But you know what? The only thing that the enemy has now left to do to, to try and hinder this is to strip 
that identity from man and thereby stripping that authority from man so that they don't understand that they're sons of God. They don't therefore understand their authority. They don't understand the fact that what it really means, the cross really opened up for, for us. And if we can be in that place and we live in a different identity, well, Satan can still get some of God's people. Brothers and sisters, just like Jeremiah, the prophet said, I am blowing a trumpet. Do you hear it? Do you hear the sound of the trumpet calling you to this ancient pathway? I am sounding the trumpet to you today and I'm telling you, do you hear the trumpet? Do you hear the call back to the ancient pathway that has now been fulfilled and completed in light of the revelation and the works of our Messiah on that cross? You see, I'm not here standing here today asking you to just go and live like the Israelites did just as they came out of Egypt. I am calling you today to pick up your cross and live within this new covenant that God has made with his people, a covenant where we can live in freedom, but not only that, but in power. A covenant where we can have authority over Satan. A covenant where we can see his kingdom die around us because of the authority and the great commission that's been given to us by our Messiah. And more specifically, I want to come and sound the trumpet with regards to a vision I received the night before I started working on this message. The father came in a vision to me, and I want to relay this to you. The scripture says in Acts 2 verse 17, In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men dream dreams. This is what Peter prophesied in Acts 2, just after the Holy Spirit was poured out. He was, he was copying what the prophets had written that would occur. And he said, today it's being fulfilled in your midst. And today I'm standing you, here to you today. And my name is Peter as well. I'm known as PD, Peter Daniel. And I'm also standing here today and I'm, I'm saying the same thing like the Apostle Peter said. That dreams and visions and prophecies are being poured out. Will you be a part of it? I want to share some of it today with you that the Father's revealed to me. I want you to taste it to the word. I received a vision. It was a, like a painting that I saw that was with characters in it that were moving, like almost in slow motion. And what I saw in this painting was a war, a spiritual war, but I saw it as it was. I saw angels and I saw demons and I saw them battling in a war. I saw an angel taking a something that looked like a spear, a weapon, and, and in slow motion taking it to a, to a, to an, uh, a dark angel. Okay, and I, I saw all these angels and, and the fighting, right? The, the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. And as they were kind of in slow motion, all fighting like this, I saw a little creature like a demon, like a, uh, a something ugly coming and coming in, hopping in between them running between their legs, just just maneuvering through this war like he's just walking through it. As they're preoccupied of the fight, he's just walking through it. And when he comes to the back of the line of the angels, he then gets and, he, and, he, and I see him grabbing, going and going to take the hand of a little baby still in the arms of its mother. And as this baby is in the arms of this mother, I see that this, can I call it a demon, tries to lure this baby out of its mother's arms. And as I received this vision, I received just like when if you've ever received a vision before the father, often he just gives interpretation with it. And what I knew was happening was that this was a spiritual war. It's a present spiritual war right now, just like in the book of Daniel, we read about how the angels and the de- and the, the, the prince of Persia were fighting Michael and the prince of Persia. There is a spiritual war around us, brothers and sisters. There is one today and I'm, I'm, what I'm proposing, submitting to you humbly as what I was seeing here was the present war in the spiritual realm today. And while that there's this chaos, there's this war going on in the physical realm. 
what we are seeing today, we see the chaos in the world. You know as well as I do that there is so much chaos this year in the year of 2020 with the virus and with everything else going on. There's so much stuff going on. And this is only what we're seeing in the physical. There is a spiritual war manifesting. And what I am telling you today is that, yes, we have the spiritual war like I saw in this painting. But the enemy has an agenda that he is trying to sneak by while we are all being distracted by a bigger picture. What he is after is the next generation. The baby. And he's trying to lure the next generation away from the parents. Let that resonate. Let the Holy Spirit confirm that to you. Because I know it's true. I see it. And, and I'll be honest, I didn't completely see it until the Lord really revealed it to me. To show me, Petey, don't you see the real strategy? Don't be distracted by what the enemy is doing. God can handle the big fight. God can handle the big trials and things. And the things that we're worried about sometimes, God is on top of it. Rather, ask the Father what you don't see. Ask what is the enemy trying to distract you from? Brothers and sisters, I am concerned for our gen- the next generation because what I see is I see parents often who are on fire for the Lord and who are who really desire to see God uh, in their lives. And the, but we see that the children aren't. We see the children left behind. We see the children who are being distracted by all the, the hooks of the world. Many people often talk about the great falling away and they, they talk about how people are going to be falling away from the faith. And no doubt, I, I believe that that's part of it. But what if a great part of the great falling away, as scripture talks about, is when there is a generation that falls away? We know that the father looks at generations and he and we, we he speaks to the to generations. Oftentimes he calls generations, he qualifies generations, he disqualifies generations, just like he disqualified a part of Israel's generation to not enter that land when they sinned against him. OK, God looks at the world in generations and the father is is looking and he's seeing there is a generation that is in danger. And you may think, well, why is it that, you know, I, I, that there is this little demon that could have crept by all these angels in this war to go for that baby? You know, what, what, what is there? What is there to do about that? What is that about? And the Lord showed me, Petey, I have given you my people, my bride. I have given you, my bride, authority over unclean spirits. I have given you the authority by the empowerment of my spirit in this covenant to walk in power. That is what your responsibility is. That is what I have called you to. Will you pick up your arms? Will you fight? And that's what this trumpet blow is about. The Lord is blowing and he's saying, will you pick up arms and fight this battle? Matthew 10 verse 1 says, And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. I want to submit to you that it has often been about that next generation that the enemy is after. We look at uh, Israel within Egypt. We see that there was a generation born and as Israel was multiplying and in Pharaoh, who represents the snake, Satan, went ahead and he tried to kill that generation. And that's where the whole story of Moses comes from, how he was put in the basket and sent down the river by his loving mother. Right. So we see this picture and I'm telling you today, it's the same thing that's occurring. And now you may ask, well, PD, how do we stop this? What is the solution? Is it that we should be dragging our children to more conferences? Is it that we should be, you know, um, 
to teaching them more about what's right and wrong and 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 all these things and, and should we be trying to raise them better you know what what is there to do and and look all those things were good things and there are things that i believe that we're already doing but i want to submit to you that that's not it that's there is a missing ingredient that is in many in many of our lives hear me out brothers and sisters and humbly listen to what i have to say Paul talked about this very thing and he said in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, My speech, my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. As Paul was traveling to these congregations and peoples, he was not just coming to them and telling them what's right and wrong. He was not just coming to tell them even about, you know, a, a testimony or a, a the, teaching them about God. These are wonderful things we ought to do. They're beautiful things we ought to do. But he is saying, I don't want your faith to rest in simply what I have told you. And the, maybe in some of my wisdom or, or, or some exhortation. I don't want your faith in God to rest in that. This is why I came to you and the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith is in God instead, because you've seen it yourself. You see, brothers and sisters, if you just simply go and you just talk to your children, but there is a no demonstration of power that occurs, they may believe in God. They may have faith, but they may only then have faith as long as you don't upset them as long as you don't let them down as long as you are perfect but let's be honest we will sometimes let our children down we will sometimes make mistakes and when that happens they'll look at us and they'll say well that's everything you told me about god that's what that is about i'm not gonna believe in god i'm not gonna follow god why would i if that's how you act because the and the problem is men and people we stumble in many ways the problem is that will happen but if our faith is not in man but in god and the demonstration of his spirit then even if we fall they will not be hindered by it you see it was not for me as a child growing up even though my parents teaching me about the lord was wonderful and what what was foundational for me it wasn't that was not the thing that was uh, that I'm holding on to. And that's not the reason that I'm standing here today before you preaching the gospel. That's not the reason that I have sold my life and become a slave to Christ. It's not the reason. It's because I have seen a demonstration of the spirit and power of God in my life. I have seen him work miracles. I have seen him open the blind eyes myself. I have seen him heal the broken hearted myself. I have seen him raise the dead myself. I have seen him do the things that the world says is impossible. I have seen a demonstration of the spirit. And that's why I can say beyond a doubt that that is my Lord. That's my father. And brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that this was why Moses was raised. Moses was raised by the father to inspire a generation when he was raised out of that basket. Because see, here comes this Egyptian and she takes him out of the water. Moses means to be drawn out of the water. When we are baptized, we are drawn out of the water. And this is a picture. Moses was drawn out of the water and he received the spirit of God early on in his life. And so even though he was raised an Egyptian, deep inside, he was always an Israelite. Deep inside, he was always a son of God. He was raised in the world in Egypt. But he was not of it. He was raised an Egyptian, but inside he really wasn't an Egyptian. Moses was raised to be an agent of change. 
Moses was raised to inspire the generation of Israel because see Israel by the time when Moses was was growing up and around they were a nation that were losing faith some of them in the father some of them probably thought that God had forgotten about them and that God will never come back for them and and God has left them to be slaves in Egypt forever And God raised Moses to be the one to inspire them to leave. We read in Exodus 6 verse 9, Moses spoke to the people of Israel. And they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So we see that when Moses came to Israel to talk to them, they weren't really happy to hear about these things. In fact, they didn't really believe what he had to say. And this is why at the burning bush, when Moses and God were having their conversation, one, this was what Moses raised. Moses told God, but God, they won't listen to me. They won't hear what I have to say. They will, in fact, tell me that how do we know that you have heard from the Lord? The Lord has not come from, for us, Moses. The Lord has forgotten about us. This is what Moses tells the Lord. Exodus 4 verse 1. Moses answered, but behold, they, Israel, will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And as Moses tells the Lord that, you know, they will tell me this, that you haven't appeared to me. What does the God say? You see, oftentimes when we talk about the great miracles and the Exodus, that was afflicted upon Egypt and through Moses. We think about it in terms of the context of getting Pharaoh to let Israel go. And of course, that's a big part of it. Moses was saying, you know, God says, let my people go to Pharaoh, of course. But actually, when we go back to the burning bush, Moses says this, he talks about Israel and he says, Forget about Pharaoh. Forget about Egypt. God, your own people won't listen to me. What will I do with them? And then God says, Moses, pick up the staff. Moses picks up the staff and it it turns into a snake and he drops it. and, And he says, Moses, pick up the snake again. And he picks up the snake and it turns back into a staff. And he says, Moses, take your hand and put it in your cloak. And Moses puts his hand in his cloak and he takes it out again. And it was as leprous and he and he and he says, take, put it back. And Moses puts his hand back and takes it out. And his hand was clean again. Then he says, Moses, if you take water and you pour it out on the ground, it will be as blood. Moses, these signs you use to go and you show them and tell them. That the God of your fathers, of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, has come for you. And it was that that showed Israel that what Moses was talking about was indeed what the Lord had spoken. That the Lord was not some far off God like the Egyptians' false gods' idols were, but He was living, real, and He had come for them. Your kids, your children may want to say or think, how do we know the Lord has spoken to you? How do we know that this Lord is coming to us? How do we know that when he, he he's actually calling us out of this world like Egypt? How do we know? The answer is not in your wise words. Moses could have gone to Israel and spoken as long as he wanted. Israel was not going to leave Egypt by Moses' wise words. Just like Paul knew that his wisdom was not enough, but that there was something more needed. A demonstration of spirit. And this is what God gave Moses. We call them today spiritual gifts. We call them today... These gifts that the Holy Spirit brings when he comes into someone that manifests in power as a testimony to the gospel and the, the and our Lord. 
And today, you know, now we can look back. We were talking about Moses there. Back then it was Moses and a select few that God chose and ordained to receive his spirit in that manner. Today, things are different for the good. Today, things are wonderful because Acts 2 has occurred. Our Messiah has ascended and the Holy Spirit has descended to be upon me and you, brothers and sisters, for us all to manifest the Holy Spirit and in power walk this out. And so now, just like Moses came to Israel, we can come to our children. Just like the children of Israel, now our children can see, hear and see that the Lord is good. And so going back to the vision I explained to you earlier, if you want to understand how that baby will be staying in the mother's arms is when we understand the importance and essentialness. This is not optional. Brothers and sisters, we have thought that this could be optional. We have thought that we could get away with ignoring some parts of this. I am telling you today that it is not optional. Just like it was not optional for Moses, it is not optional for me or for you. The Lord has commanded us, in fact, Messiah, just before he left, the last things he told his disciples. Go into the world and proclaim the gospel. I am sending you out and I am giving you power, going to give you power by the Holy Spirit. When you go out and you can lay your hands on the sick and you will see them recover, you will have authority over demons to cause them out. And so what do our children need? That's the question. They need the same miracle that Israel needed. They need a demonstration of power that will bring a restoration of their identity. You see, if in the Exodus story, we see that there is a restoration of identity in God's people. First, we have Moses who God comes and he shows him, Moses, you're not an Egyptian. Actually, you're an Israelite. This is who you really are. And then he asked Moses to go and demonstrate through power that to the rest of Israel and show them, Israel, you're not slaves. You are free. You're not Egyptians. You're Israelites. And I'm calling you out into that place. And just as this restoration of identity came to Israel and Moses, this is what the Lord is doing today. He desires to restore our identity and the identity of our children. He wants us to understand that we are not slaves of this world. We are sons of the king. And because we are sons of the king, there is great authority that comes with that. But before we can talk about authority, we need to understand that when Messiah came and he, you know, he, he came to Peter and he's on that boat and he said, Peter, come and follow me. And, and Peter and the disciples, they left everything behind to follow him. We must give everything up. We need to die to ourselves. Brothers and sisters, many of us may struggle with what I am saying here in our lives because we haven't truly died to ourselves. Because if you are dead to yourself and alive in Christ, why do we then sometimes still care about what people think of us? You see, the number one thing that stops us from being a witness sometimes to our children or to people who are strangers, doesn't matter who really, is that we really care about what they think of us. We really care about what they think of who we used to be. Because it's who we used to be, that old identity, the one that Satan sold Adam and Eve in the garden, that counterfeit of, oh, I will make you to be like God. That we sometimes still want to hold on to or resurrect. We want that old identity. And then we, when we're around people, we're afraid of looking bad. You know what that is? That's, that's the old man. That's the old identity we're afraid of losing. Because the new identity in Messiah is one that doesn't care what people think. Because you're supposed to be dead to yourself and alive in Christ. You see, I don't know about you, but you know, I've, when I found that dead people don't care what you think about them anymore. You can walk to any graveyard and you can look at those graves and you can ask yourself, do any of these people care what I think of them? You know, we can have riches and you know, we have wealthy people in this world. 
We have people who are very successful, high status, all that stuff. But the moment they die, they don't really care about that anymore. It's kind of funny how that works, isn't it? God calls us to die when we want to follow him. That's why he says, pick up your cross. You know what happens after picking up a cross shortly thereafter? You die. And that's what baptism is. That's what we are supposed to be doing when we get baptized. Some of us have not truly understood and gotten baptized truly. Some of us don't understand the, didn't understand the full magnitude of what baptism is when we did get baptized. And therefore, we're still kind of living in the old and in the new at the same time. We're, we're trying to live for God, but we're still holding on to things like what people think of us or the old man. We're still trying to hold on. It's like holding on to a dead man. While he, we have to understand, brothers and sisters, that when we enter the water, we are dying with Christ like that thief on the cross. And when we're coming out of the water, it's like we're raised with Christ resurrected new but it means that we don't live like the thief lived before anymore it means we don't dwell on what the thief dwelled on it means we live in freedom and a new life and it is only when we come to this place that i'm describing to you today of being free from people of being free from what people think of you and so that when you come to a place where nothing else matters except what my god thinks of me nothing else can touch me you see then when you enter a grocery store when you enter your workplace when you enter your schoolyard when you enter your wherever you go your fellowship if you are now in that place where you understand that it is not about this it's not about me it's not about what i want but now you can understand only now that i can be a servant of the king and now you can now you can be a servant of the king you cannot be a servant of the king you cannot be a fully live in your identity as a son of the king who has received authority until you fully die you see, I, I told you about how Peter leaped out of his boat. You know, that was one place where, you know, this, this rabbi, Yeshua, this honorable thing is happening to Peter because, wow, I, a fisherman, I'm being called to follow a rabbi. And Peter leaped out of his boat for that. But later, much later in John chapter 21, we read about how Yeshua tells Peter again to follow him. And this is now much lighter. And he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. Peter, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. Follow me. <laughs> you see, the first time he called on me, Peter leaped out. Peter didn't fully understand what he was signing up for yet. But God was gracious for him. God called him and he and he certainly gave up. And that was wonderful. But now we have even a Yeshua is saying the same thing again. He's saying again, leave everything. Follow me. But but he's taking it even further. He's saying, Peter, if you need to understand that following me means that you're going to die. It means that you need to be willing to die. Whether that's a spiritual, you know, death of the old man and being raised with Christ in the new, or whether that's even to the point where you need to go and you're going to hang on a cross like I did, Peter. That's what Messiah said here. He said, you will stretch out your hands. Another will dress you. They will carry you where you don't want to go. That is the grave. That's what's going to happen. That's the consequence of following me. So, Peter, do you still want to do that? And of course, he said yes. And, and Peter did. He became a leader. My point is, brothers and sisters, are you truly dying? Have you? And, and, and I want this, this feast of trumpets to be one that is a trumpet call that is sounding the blast, that is saying, Have you died? Have you died? Have you died? And are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you hungry for my spirit? Because if you don't die, you don't get him. If you're not hungry, you don't get him. 
If you don't die, you can't be used. If you're not hungry, you won't receive the gift. Knock and the door will be opened. But not just like one who is playing a game of knocking and running away. I'm talking about do you knock until the door is opened, brothers and sisters. Because many of us have knocked and ran away because we're too afraid of what would happen when that door is opened. Because it brings responsibility. But will you today step up to be the warrior that God is calling us to be? He is calling his armies together and he is saying, I am calling you to enter a war. We are in a war and your children is going to be taken if you do not wake up and take upon, take arms, take responsibility. Look at what the Messiah taught throughout the New Testament. Stop simply desiring to walk like the Israelites did in the Exodus. What they did was there was wonderful. What the Lord gave them was holy and perfect and set apart in terms of his commandments. But to think that that is just what we are walking out today. That is it. And I'm going to just do my Bible study. And, and that's not what our Messiah came to teach. He said, I am bringing a new covenant in for you. I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. Are you going to do something with that? Or are you going to act like Acts 2 never happened? Where are you going to stand with this? And see, brothers and sisters, what I'm talking about here today is such an exciting thing. Please understand that this is the most exciting thing ever. Moses wished he could live where you are breathing in today. A place where all of God's people can be filled with his spirit and walk in power. Because with that comes great authority. And so I want to read to you Exodus 7 verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you and your brother shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. We see that God comes to Moses and he gives him this authority over Pharaoh. And you need to understand that Pharaoh, remember, Right here, he has the symbol of the snake. Pharaoh is like the image of the enemy, right? That we are facing this kingdom of darkness that we are facing. And he is saying, I will, Moses, I want you to speak to Pharaoh. I want you to come speak in an authoritative way. And then when we go to the book of Luke chapter 10, when these Others are sent out by the Messiah, 72 other people he is sending out. And he is saying the same to them. Because now it's not just Moses. Now it's not just one or two people. Now it's God's people, his body. And he tells them, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. You see, in this world, someone submits to authority. We submit to someone who we see has authority. And when that person who has authority understands they have authority. When we read in the New Testament of the situation with these uh, in Acts 19 verse 15, we see these other people trying to cast out demons, right? Who aren't the disciples. And this evil spirit came up and spoke and said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? Because see, this demon understood authority. This demon understood that some men have authority when they know God and the Holy Spirit is in them. These men that were trying to cause other demons there didn't have that authority. So the demon didn't submit. So when just like today, okay, if, if we have a king, if we have a, a president and, and he's walking down the streets of his city, but he doesn't understand he's the president. He doesn't know he's a king. Are the people going to treat him like one? Or are they going to kind of just laugh and just maybe some of them may even take advantage of him. Some, some will make fun of him because he doesn't himself even know he's a king. Why will they? Why would they submit? But if you, that king, if that president, if, if they simply knew who they were, suddenly there's a change. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. Moses was who Moses was. 
But God just had to come and tell him, Moses, I'm giving you authority over Pharaoh. You need to understand it so you can exercise it. And today the Lord says, I am coming. And he, he has said it. This is not new, but I am reminding you that you are given authority to trade on this snake, to walk in power over what the enemy in kingdom of darkness tries to do. If there is sickness in your congregation, you have authority. There is a demon in your congregation. You have authority. There is there is a word from the Lord. You have authority to deliver it. Whatever it is, the Lord is giving authority to us. But if we have a demon in our congregation, but we don't understand our authority, that demon will stay. If we have a sick person and we don't understand our authority, that person will remain sick and they may have received healing, but they won't because we don't understand our authority. We may have children who would stay with the Lord if only we understood our authority. If only we understood the power that is in us because of who we are as sons. See, brothers and sisters, we need to understand that the thing that will cultivate the strongest relationship with God possible is this revelation of understanding who we are. Because if we understand we are sons of God, that, that means acceptance. That means because of the righteousness of Christ and the giving of his Holy Spirit, it means that he sees value in us. It means he didn't die for nothing. He died for us because he loves us. And because of all this, it speaks to our value. But see, if we don't understand our authority because we don't understand our identity, who will our, ch our children imitate? Our children will then not understand their authority because they don't understand their identity. And because of this, they don't understand what God thinks of them. They don't understand their sons. And because of that, why would they want to stay in the kingdom of light? Because they don't under, why would you be joining a family or, or try to be part of a family who you don't think you have an inheritance in? You will only go back to your father's house if you knew he was your father like that uh, prodigal son. He went back to his father's house because he had the revelation that he is a son of his father. And when we now understand our identity and we understand the authority given over this enemy's kingdom by our father to us, now we can then only understand how to walk in the demonstration of the spirit and in power. You see, when we go to the book of Acts and we go to chapter two with Pentecost, Shavuot, we see that they were in the temple, right? They were coming together there to celebrate the feast, what we call the upper room. And what happened there is, you know, God told him, stay in this city until you are clothed in power clothed in power. Here's the thing. If the disciples, they did not, if they did not stay in the city, if they left, Acts 2 never happens. Think about that. That Pentecost, that Shavuot, that would not have happened. The Holy, where the Holy Spirit was poured out and the people spoke in tongues and prophesied, that would not have happened had their presence not been in that place. What does that tell us? It tells us that the Holy Spirit, because he comes and dwells in us, our presence makes a difference. But we must believe it. We must understand it. If we don't understand, we're like a king who doesn't understand their authority. You need to understand that when the Holy Spirit comes in you, if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit truly, and he comes to live in you, it's not a miniature version of the Messiah's Holy Spirit. It's not some different. No, it's Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes into the temple of man. Not the temple made of stone, the temple of our bodies. And he comes and he lives in it. 
He dwells in it. And from there, when this temple moves in this world that we are in, we can be an ambassador of his kingdom. Because when we touch, when we move, God's temple moves. His spirit therefore moves. But if we don't move and if we don't walk in a way with that has an understanding of the authority and power that lives in us. It's like not giving him permission to move. You see, like in the Torah, the priest had to go in and they had to go and do their service duties. They had to go and work within the temple. They had to offer up sacrifices continually. There were all these things happening. Okay, the priests were mindful of the spirit of God in the temple. If they were not, they would die. If they were not, they would die. Are you mindful of the spirit of God in your temple every breathing second of your day? If you're not, you will not be able to let his spirit do what he came to do through you. When you go out and you just do your things, you go and you get gas, you go and go do your groceries, you go and go to your work. Whatever it is you do in your life, do you are you like a priest that is mindful of the spirit of God in that temple? Because every day you're supposed to be doing priestly duties. You have a high priest. His name is Yeshua and you are called into his priesthood. You are called to work. And he is saying that's why he said the last thing he said, this is why it is. Listen, this is why the last thing he said is go into the world. Listen, if that's the last thing he said, what's the first thing he's going to ask us when he sees us again? If the last thing I ever tell you, if I know today is the last day I'm ever going to see you again. And the next time I see you, it's going to be important. What is going to be the last thing I tell you? Is it not going to be something so important? Yes, it will be. And that's what he did. He said, don't forget to be a priest. Don't forget to let the spirit move through you in spiritual giftings. If you do, I will see you again and you would have wasted your talents. But if you go and you are a priest conscious, conscious of the Holy Spirit in you, I will see you again and you will be like a priest who used the talents given. And I will be giving more talents and more talents. And I will be blessing you with more and more and more. But who will you be? What servant will you be? Will you live for your own kingdom and what people think of you? Imagine, imagine God's temple being run by priests who care more about what the world thinks of them and how they dress and how they look and what they're doing than what God told them to do. Imagine what that would have been like. It's kind of what happened in the first century. There were some priests who were living for themselves, doing things for themselves. They, they weren't, they didn't care about what God said as much as what the people were saying and what people thought of them and what they could get out of this. What kind of a priest are you? What kind of kingdom are you serving? Because there's only one kingdom to serve. If you serve, if you don't serve this kingdom, you are part of the other and you may, may or may not know it. But where are you? So just like at Mount Sinai, there was a blowing of trumpets and a trembling with the giving of the commandments. I want to submit to you that in the spiritual realm in Acts 2, when there was a there was a blowing of wind, there was a rushing in of the spirit. And in the spiritual realm, it was like a blowing of trumpets upon the enemy's camp because and I want to submit to you that the enemy was trembling when this all was happening, because now this for the first time, the spirit of God is coming upon so many. And we read that 3000 were baptized in water thereafter. So you may listen to all I have to say and think, oh, Petey, how can I be this light? How can I be this demonstration of the spirit in people's lives around me and especially my children? I want to give you a few points on this. I think firstly, it's so important for us to not just be people who talk but don't do. It's easy to be a theologian, but God is not just coming back for theologians. He's coming back for disciples. 
Theolo theology is beautiful. I love theologians. I love studying the, who God is. And that is what we are doing here today. We are talking about him. But he is coming back for disciples. And what is the difference? A theologian can possibly get away with only reading and studying about God. There are even theologians today in seminary who don't even believe in him. But a disciple is someone who imitates, imitates, imitates their teacher, their rabbi. Are you an imitator of Rabbi Yeshua? And you may wonder, well, what does that look like? Well, look at his life. Yes, he kept his father's commandments. Beautiful. He also opened blind eyes, healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead. If we are not seeing these things in our lives, if we are not seeing demonstrations of power and the spirit in our lives the way he did, if we are not imitating him in the way he told us to because he did tell us to do it in that way. Brothers and sisters, this is the trumpet call for us to stop what we are doing and get hungry. It is time for us to ask the Father, Lord, we must see what has been written to us in the book of Acts as our example of the early church. Father, we must see what you told us that we must see. What you, 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 when you sent those people out to cause our demons, Lord, let us be the people to do that too. If you're not hungry, you won't get satisfied. Matthew 10 verse 1, and he called to him his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. And I want you to keep in mind that even though this was given to the 12 at that point in Matthew 10, in Luke chapter 10, we see Yeshua sending out 72 more. And those disciples went and made more disciples. And those disciples made more disciples. And this was the movement of the book of Acts, early church, first century church, where these people were all going and being disciple makers. They were all in their circles operating in the supernatural and spiritual gifts. Do you notice how he said he gave them all authority over unclean spirits? He allowed, he told them all to heal the sick. He told them all to do, to go out into the world. He didn't say just if you're gifted. He didn't say just if, if this is your gift, if this is that's your gift. Or if, no, he said, you guys all, you do it. So forget about, you know, we can talk about the spiritual gifts in detail. And I love to do that and teach on that. And what Paul talked about, all the gifts and how the gifts are for, there's different gifts for, you know, and we have all strengths in these gifts and it's wonderful. And amen, because we're a body, but under, but forget about that for a second. Just let's make it simple. Let's just say, well, look at, okay, what did Messiah just say? He said, go out and heal the sick. All of you. Go out and preach the gospel. All of you go out and cast out demons. All of you, not just some of you, not just those of you who are gifted. No, all of you. This is what I am calling you to do. Wherever you go, be a light, be a minister of freedom. And then we, we can go on and we read. Paul talks about, you know, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, prophecy. The discernment of spirits, speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues. He lists all of these wonderful spiritual gifts. And where are these gifts in the body today? Many people are walking in them and it's beautiful, but many are not. And the father is now calling and he's saying, he's sounding a trumpet and he's saying, I called you to my truth. I, I revealed the beauty of my instructions to you. I revealed this to you, not for you to keep it to yourself, but so that you can now today, this day, learn the spiritual gifts so that you can go to the people and show them in power so that you can take them to Mount Sinai to hear the word. To hear the commandments that are to follow. God didn't take the tablet of stone, the commandments, and just walk up to Pharaoh. Let Moses walk up to Pharaoh with that. Let Moses walk up to Israel with that there while they're still in Egypt. No, he first demonstrated 
He first sh showed them in power. He took them out by a mighty hand through the splitting of the Red Sea. That sea closed, separating them from the world, from Egypt. Now there's this new life. That was their baptism, quote unquote. It was a, a picture of what we call baptism today into Yeshua. And now they're after that, they're given the commandments. But we've got it all backwards. We're trying to give them the, the commandments without even showing them the power. We have to first understand that they need a demonstration of the spirit. And then we will raise disciples that are so hungry for truth that nothing will stop them from it. But first, show them the love and mercy and grace, power of God through His Holy Spirit. So, brothers and sisters, next I want to just say, what I'm saying today is challenging. I know it. What I'm saying today is something that you will need to dig into more on your own. But what I'm saying to you is get hungry. Get prepared because the trumpet is blowing and God is giving instruction today. He's calling his people up because there's a storm coming and we need to be ready. And uh, the world is in a place where we all know where it is at. And, and this is just a, in the physical, a, a, a picture of what's happening in the spiritual war. Challenge yourself. Be someone who steps up and says, I'm going to challenge myself. To go and pursue these things until they manifest in my life. Go and take radical steps of faith like Moses did before that Red Sea split. Like he stood before Pharaoh and told Pharaoh to his face who his God is. And with this all, what is so important is to involve our children along the way. Don't let them be apart. Don't let them do their own thing. Bring them along with you when you go to pray for that man who's filling up his car at the gas station. Or when you when the Lord puts it on your heart to pay his gas bill and fill up his car for him. Let your child stand next to you. Let them see Messiah in and through you and let them be a part of it. Let them see your identity. Let them see your authority. Let them see then the power of God and love. And then they'll be changed for it. They want that. They'll want that too. Just like Moses showed Israel, show your children. And above all else, I will end it on this note. Love. That's what this is all about. Our Messiah told us and taught us how to love. If you do not love, nothing I said matters. You know, one of the most beautiful things for me was when we go to the story of the Last Supper, what we know as the Last Supper. You know, when Judas went to betray the Messiah, it's, it's, it's amazing this contrast because he's leaving to betray the man who is perfect, our Messiah. And the disciples confuse it. They think that Judas is going to go give some money to the poor. He, that he, they think that the Messiah told Judas to give money to the poor. That is who our Messiah was, that they would make such. Yes, there was a wrongful assumption because that, that's not what he, he he told them. Go do what you need to do to Judas. Right. But the disciples thought, wow, he's probably just giving money to the poor again because that's who he was. If people see you whispering something to someone else and they leave, are they going to may think, wow, John is probably just giving money to the poor again. What is your who, who are you? What, what are you doing with your life? What are, what do people see you as doing? Is it like that of the Messiah who continuously did acts of love to all peoples? So much so that the disciples admired him in that way. Let that be above all else where everything flows from. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, God, for this amazing feast, this honor of being able to know about your feast, this honor of being able to celebrate you and being able to hear what you have to say each year in these feast times. Lord, I just pray, Father, for baptism of the Holy Spirit and power upon your body. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would fill us to the brim with your spirit. Father, I thank you for freedom. 
I thank you for boldness. Lord, I thank you, God, that you will give us your spiritual gifts. Lord, I thank you, God, above all, for love and our hearts. Convict us to love continuously, radically. And Lord, help us to be hungry for you and your spirit. Help us, Lord, to seek your Holy Spirit like never before. To Lord, we want to see this change, Lord. We want to see things restored. You restored the truth to us. Lord, restore your spirit to us today. God, we ask of your, for your spirit to come down like it did in Acts 2 all over again. Father, we ask, Father, for you to come and help us to be priests of our temples that will be worthy of standing before you one day and being good and worthy servants of even just hearing those words of well done, good and faithful servant. Father, thank you for your son whom you sent for us to die for our sins and also to send your spirit. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.